Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Welcome to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is R.J. Bell. That's right. And it's some week after the Super Bowl, but before March Madness edition of the Dream Preview. With a Wise Guy sort of roundtable. Steve Fezzik, you're here, and we have a special guest. Special might be stretching it. Guitarist and founder of English rock band Led Zeppelin. Whoa, whoa, wait. No, no, no. Brad Powers. Thanks for having me, RJ. Good to be back. So, Brad is... There's been a little scuttlebutt. Where's Brad? Where's Brad? Kind of like Fez, remember? We had that drop. When he was gone, he missed one show after you missed like 400. <laughs> Where's Brad? Where's Brad? Exactly. And Brad, I wanted him to have a chance to come in and, you know, he's got some stuff in his life. And I actually think that w- w- the story he's got to share is very important for this industry. And you know me, guys. I'm very Darwinian in that, you know. I guess natural selection is part of being Darwinian. Eat or be eaten. I have no trouble with competition. I have no trouble, quite frankly, with viciousness. Not necessarily if the guy's bigger than me, but you know what I'm saying. But there is a part of this industry that I think this story is going to help you see. And maybe, maybe with some of you that are a little more thoughtful, you'll see that some of the nonstop... Uh, criticalness has its consequences. So, Brad, you're going to, I think the simple thing to say is you're going to take from now till the summer off. Yep. And you're going to figure things out. And Absolutely. No guarantee. I mean, let's be clear. No guarantee anything, right? You might, like uh, Aerosmith said, baby, I don't know where I'll be in a year. But it's our intention and our hope that we can, you know, have Brad as involved in pregame as possible because, you know, I'll say this from the start. One of the most forthright guys, hard workers, team guys, all, I mean, good, you know, good friend, countryman. Oh, wait, no, no. But (laughs) honestly, the kind of guy, I wouldn't want to marry my daughter. I don't have a daughter, but because he's got some... Problems with women. I mean, you know, with women. No, yeah. No, no, Fair. no. No, with relationships, perhaps. But I'll tell you this. If I had a son and he could have a best friend and it was Brad, not that I'm that much older than him, I would I would say I would be very happy with that. So this is a good man, but let's hear what you're feeling. Oh, well, I appreciate that, RJ. I really do. And obviously, wasn't a great season for me this past football season. It was a losing season for me. Uh, on the physical side, uh, Bob, just be very open and candid. Uh, I have high blood pressure, so I, I've always run hot. Even before this, I got into this industry, I ran hot. I have high blood pressure. So physically, I'm not sure maybe this industry is always great for my blood pressure. 
But mentally, as the spotlight has gotten bigger, and it certainly has, and I'll say this. when well, I listen, if you're around me, that happens. It does. The spotlight but, follows but, me. <laughs> yeah, but from where we started, when I first you know, came aboard a pregame, let's just say we weren't doing a weekly national radio hit on FSR, the best sports talk radio. Well, our podcast was getting what? Maybe we were happy getting 10,000 listens? Yeah, I think it went from 9,000 to 28. I think your first year was 28. Okay. And now it's hundreds upon hundreds of thousands of listens each week. So the spotlight has certainly gotten brighter. And with that, and I really care. I wear my heart on my sleeve a lot, especially with my picks. And I generally care not only about my money, but specifically – you know, the recommendations I give the, the clients or any well, of the You care about your money, though. Too. I do care about my money. <laughs> and that spotlight getting bigger and bigger each year has had a negative impact on me physically and mentally. And I got to tell you, one, I find it to be courageous. And listen, I hate the false courage crap, right? Oh, and, I, and I'm feeling a little off saying it now even. But I know there's been points in my life that I would have wanted to do this, I didn't have the guts. And uh, to me, I've got this internal scorecard, and I'm weird because I got two scorecards. I've got the internal one that if the whole world was against me, I mean my mom, I mean everybody, my wife, if I thought I was right, I'd do it. On the other hand, I feel like I'm in this cycle of – you know, and there is a sense with this industry that you've done it, meaning, oh, look, it's time to talk about or it's the NBA All-Star break Friday. That's the day I used to take off. You know, there's a there's a seasonality to this and an annualness to this that when you get into your 15th year of it, it to some degree, it marks the passage of time. But it feels like, really, I've got to go through and do that again, like something I did 15 yeah. years ago. So. When I feel uh, a sense of, like, I'm running in place, but it's almost like circles, but every year, and, and knock on wood, but it's been lucky, the circle keeps rising higher. So you might say, well, three years ago we were here, and now we're here. To me, it's the only thing that keeps me going in a way, that I'm growing, we're growing. But it still feels like, wait a minute, just because there's a half a million people listening – if you don't like what you're doing, why do it still? And I've had times that I didn't like what I was doing, and I still did it for one reason, because I couldn't look at myself as a failure. And I'm not saying Brad should at all, but what I'm saying is I, in my sick way of thinking, would have done that if I would have taken a year or done something different. And I'd say, well, I'm not on the radio anymore. And, I, and that stuff really doesn't matter. It's a means to an end. But to some degree, it seeps in if you're always judging yourself harshly, which I do. And, Brad, I think we're very similar with that. Yeah. And I think it, I'm, obviously you're in the financial position to take off six months or whatever. Kudos, right? <laughs> and, and at the same time, he's moving into a, uh, like a mansion now, right? No, no, no. Just a better neighborhood. Better yeah, neighborhood. Did you hear about this? I did. Unbelievable. Excited. And... I'll be knocking on the gates pretty soon. Fast. <laughs> I, th I think you'll be knocking on some of the uh, singles bars oh, right by your place there that. by go heading out to Remedies and the like, yes. <laughs> but I guess my question is to you, the financial side, uh, you know, you're, you've been successful and fortunate to, to be in a position. 
But I'm guessing every season in the last five or seven, you've probably had similar feelings. I have, even in the great years, even a couple years ago, where we, I mean, not only the podcast, myself finished fourth in the Nugget, 60-plus percent, not only in college football, NFL, college basketball, it was like a winning 12, 14 months. I mean, I would be hard to replicate that ever again in my career, and I still had similar thoughts. I'm like, what is ultimately the end game here? Why am I sweating out a Florida Atlantic college basketball well, I, game I've been asking on a that Tuesday for a night? I've been, now, I do, and I told Brad... This is going to be like the Brad Powers question. And it might be, who's Brad? It won't be, where's Brad? It might be, who's Brad? But it's going to be the Brad Powers question, which is, is this worthwhile, what we're doing, even if it doesn't win? Because one thing that we pride ourselves on, I pride myself on, I insist upon, is that this isn't about making money. For the listeners, because if it were, we're a failure because it's so hard to make money. Everything's got to be right, meaning you got to have enough outs, you got to have discipline, and you got to have bankroll management and winning picks. Winning picks is like some portion of it. I don't know if it's even half, right, Fez? I would say it's probably less than half. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, look, look no further than as you know, I'm on a winning streak, RJ. Oh my God, you should have heard this one. Brad. <laughs> Funny how that happens after I leave. Yeah, but no, no. Here's <laughs> what. Here's <laughs> the amazing <laughs> thing. He was uh, four now. Yep. Yeah, that's good. I mean, you know, one out of fifteen, sixteen times a coin flip, but okay. And <laughs> it's like he gives that. He goes like before the show. Hey, I'm four zero in these best bets. I said, got it. And, like, between the C and D play, hey, 4-0, don't forget the match. <laughs> so we mentioned, like, three huh. times, right? He wins that one. Now, he's got a day off yeah. the next day. He's literally taxing the streak. He's emailing the streak. <laughs> My notes have never huh. been in so yeah. early. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he uh, pushes. Uh-oh. You look at the write-up on the, on the board – it says undefeated last six games. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <laughs> so it's a lot of things that, that really we can't get. We can tell people about bankroll management, bet less games in general, bet less money in general. Kelly criterion if you want to get serious. And some people bet half Kelly, quarter Kelly. It's advanced stuff. In general, less. Right? Faz, you're not on radio. Well, in that game, it's a new thing. In you that get, game in particular, it's almost all the books said four, couple three and a halves, and a four and a half. Obviously, the more outs you got, the better your chance of winning. And having outs isn't looking on a screen and deciding like at Amazon to order from someone else. Especially if you win, may I mean I know a partnership in town that there's two guys. One guy, all he does is procure the information. He either originates it or he has trade. And one guy executes the transactions, makes the bets, and maintains the accounts, and it's a full-time job. Exactly, and that's optimal. You've got one guy with the information, just like on Wall Street, right? You go ahead and send it to the trader on the street, and he's going to have to go ahead. But and even but the, the theory stock. there is on Wall Street, there's only one out. Yeah, it's a good right? point. Here, you got to both know how to execute at the one out and pick amongst the twenty-nine and. 
maintain the 29 with camouflage. Like, if you talk to serious batters, it'll be like, oh, I can't bet that prop there. I beat him for six straight props. Let's put that teaser in there. We think, you know, they put break-even bets in to try to camouflage. Yeah, it's a great point where if you're clobbering a place just betting props, I've gone in on an NFL card, I bet every game on the card. All $1,500 each just because it— when think about it, when you look at that, how can that guy possibly have the edge? He's playing every game. And in blackjack, which you, you know, we were talking. You were at the blackjack ball a couple of years in the slower off season. We'll have to discuss that. But you know, you're a, you know, if you just played blackjack, and you had to travel the country to um, uh, avoid being barred and stuff. And you worked by yourself. Let's say you weren't working. Well, maybe you had one. What's the small? Could you have a team of two and it work? Yeah. All right. Because that whole wong it or whatever. Where, yeah. Ideally, you'd have like two or three spotters. And yeah, yeah. But player. I'm, I'm yeah. saying that's an endeavor. Right. But if you had you and, let's say, a wild and crazy girl who, you know, in another life, and you just were traveling the country playing blackjack and procreating. Imagine Fez like with four, four kids in the back of the Coupe de Ville. Oh, <laughs> How much could you make a year playing blackjack? Could oh, couple, you make a hundred? Oh, a couple hundred thousand. Really? But here's the problem. <laughs> yeah, I want to hear this problem. <laughs> it has no shelf life. So you'd play the very best games. That's what you'd attack, and then you'd get barred. And then at some point you get too greedy and they, people would start faxing your face and your name all over to the other places. And all of a sudden you'd be shut down. And you couldn't play blackjack hardly anywhere. How long, how much could you make and stay under the radar? Probably 50K a year. And you'd be working like 40 hours? Yeah. Wow. Play at a place. Tough way to make an easy yeah. living. <laughs> half an hour, RJ. After half an hour, you leave after you get your big bets out against any shoe or against any double deck, you got to leave because that's when they're going to put the cameras on you. No cross-country trip with Fez and, <laughs> and a young gal. And the Coupe de Ville with the four kids in the back. That's funny. <laughs> the, remember in The Sopranos when Christopher was going to go into witness protection when Adriana admitted that she was, um, you know, ratting? And... Christopher went to the 7-Eleven just to clear his head. He looks over and he's, yeah, spoiler alert, looks over and he sees a family like with a dude with a pot belly and a double chin eating Cheetos out of the bag. But he's got a, like two kids screaming with dirt in their eyes. And he looks over and shakes his head. Next scene, Adriana's getting killed. It's like, like, wow. he's, like he's not going into witness protection if he's going to have to be yeah. a sucker like that. <laughs> I still love the life. I get the end of Goodfellas. <laughs> okay. So, Brad, what we were talking about with the pressure, the, the scrutiny, the critiques, I think you're the type that it's going to require a different perspective because if you're hitting 60% and that's not doing it, then it's yeah. not about performance. And I mentioned the Brad Powers question should be, are we providing value? Because to me, our goal is to help you enjoy your sports betting. If you enjoy it by winning more, we're going to give you so many ways to help you do to aid in that. The thing we always talk about 
is if all you had to do was listen to a radio show to win, who in the heck would work, right? I'm going to go to 7-Eleven today. You know, I don't have time to listen to the radio show. I got to go to work. I mean, say, right? So we now, and to me, that's the thing I'm, well, the thing I'm proud of. We don't ever talk about easy money, free money, inside information. I mean, there's the level that is the old school scammers. And people, you know, it's not like a lot of people do that today. But I'm saying beyond that, the shows that talk, make winning the focus are being oftentimes intrinsically dishonest because they're not telling you, yeah, we might win here, but for you to win, it would take never going on tilt. All the things that are so tough that the show can't do for you, no matter what show it is. And we try to talk those things through enough that it becomes part of your culture not to go on tilt, not to play a bad number, etc., not to bankroll uh, you know, bet too much in a, you know, relative to your bankroll. And if you listen every day, if you listen to the pot every week or often, it becomes part of your culture. And I think we do a great service for that. And I know yep. in the long run that your picks, Brad, Fez, any pros are going to be at least as good, if not better, most of the time, better. Then they would. So you're, if you're given, if you're, to me, it's not are they winning. The question is, are they winning more? If someone would lose ten thousand a year without the dream preview, without straight out of Vegas, and they lose four thousand a year with us, we're worth six k. Now just send us half of that, <laughs> PO box. And I guess my question, Brad, is, can you really say that? All the things I just laid out that your role in pregame hasn't net net made it so this audience, all the audiences have more money in their pocket than they would have without you. I don't disagree you. with anything you just said. So you're saying that you probably have affected by hundreds of thousands, if not, I mean, if you think of all the years and all the listeners, you have probably affected the world net net to the positive from the dastardly bookies to the betters, millions of dollars. I don't disagree with that, but I don't feel feel that. Well, then you better get in touch yeah. with it, buddy. Because yeah. that, to me, I mean, does that resonate with you, Fez? Oh, big time. And I, I almost look at it, it's like, where could you provide the most value to someone? Like at a blackjack table, just giving them a basic strategy of how to play the cards. That's not going to be enough to turn you into a winning blackjack player. But think about it. The average person probably plays at about a maybe a 1.8% disadvantage. Oh, yes. And you get them to like maybe a 0.3% disadvantage. You're taking off five, six of the VIG just playing basic strategy. And that's what we try to do, educating the uh, better in terms of how they're playing. Running at 96 kilohertz with an input-to-output latency of less than 0.7 of a millisecond. I couldn't have said it better myself, Faz. <laughs> but, you know, and then you add in what is the value of enjoyment? Because I think the thing, in fact, I know the thing a lot of people enjoy is the camaraderie of the show. The, um, you know, kind of like you're with your butt. You know, you got the one smart-ass buddy. That's me that knows it, you know. He's smart, but, you know, he'll let you know it. And then you've got Fez, the guy that... You know, you didn't really want to be there, but he's there. And you know he's growing on you. You know what I'm saying, Faz. 
I don't know if I do. <laughs> oh, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> so, to me, when you add it up, I mean, just looking back, and I'm not listen. I again, I think it's courageous because it, it's something I would struggle with, and doing what you're, you know, taking the time, and you know, a big chunk of my self identity is about being not. It's not being a success. It's not being a failure. Because when I grew up, it was like I saw these people in a small coal mountain town, and I said, I don't like that. i got to be different. But being different isn't easy, and it's lonely sometimes. And I was lucky. Yep. And I was lucky growing up. I had some good friends. And I, you know, when I got married 13 years ago? No, no, no. no. Oh, I know. I know this. I'm just joking. But <laughs> lucky she doesn't listen to every pod. <laughs> I think it's been about 11 years. Yeah. We met 13 years ago, married 11 years ago. Okay. Um, approximately. The three guys in my wedding were guys I met when I was five, uh, 11, and, and 14. It's a lot of years there. And they're still, you know, my three best buddies and very lucky. And they weren't exactly like me, but they appreciated me. Yeah. You know, you don't need someone to be you. You just need someone to appreciate you when you're, especially when you're a kid, but anytime you need that, you know, so, um, you know, what, what I'm, you know, we're hoping that we'll have Brad back for football. And if he, if, if we don't, at least we'll know that he's, you know, pursuing a righteous path. But I do think you know, in front of, you know, like you said, a few people are listening. You should feel good looking back historically because you inspired me to, you know, try to be my best. And, you know, I know you had a good influence on Fez and vice versa. And I also think that the growth of the show speaks to that we are providing value. See, we're not a drug, this isn't an addiction. I mean, I, you know, sometimes when I love a show, I do feel like I can't wait. I can't wait. And obviously, we've got some people who feel that. And we, But this is not a physical addiction. This is a preference to listen to the Dream Preview. And the fact that whoever's listening to you, Brad, or has listened to you, chose to. And, it, and the last thing we ever do, and this is the God's truth, hand to God. When about once, uh, no, about three times a year, we'll get a compulsive batter that's buying things from us, and you, and there's just uh, telltale signs of that. And what we do is we literally shut their account and say, if you want to talk, give us a call. And then you know, obviously, we're trying to push them to professionals. Listen, every drug addict, every addict, they have a lot of people chirping at. I'm not saying we're doing some great thing, but the last thing we want. It's, uh, I mean, we just got too big of a brand and we got too, we're making, you know, we make millions of dollars in revenue. The one guy doesn't matter, but there's a spirituality to, you know, his revenue doesn't matter in the scheme of things. And it just doesn't, wouldn't feel right to feel like you're preying upon or even passively benefiting from someone's sickness and illness. And obviously there's compulsive batters that, we don't know about, but I tell you this, we try to find them and we also do nothing to attract them. And, you know, everyone that's enjoyed your stuff or used your stuff has done by choice. 
And when we and by being honest about the wins and the losses means they had the right information to choose from. Listen, I have zero doubt that Brad Powers, up to this point, at pregame has added to the universe. You got to figure out what that means to you. You got to figure out how much you can work as you get you know moving towards forty. Yep. And you know we're going to support you a hundred percent the best we can. Thank you, RJ. You got anything else to say? No, I think you just summed it up well. Thank you so much for that. And you know, what? I had no idea what you just shared with everybody. I had no idea you did that. You had those compulsive guys three, four. I mean, no one else does that in our industry. Uh, you know, I, I don't know about that, but what, what I know is very, very few. I'll make a large wager. Well, on that. I'll, okay, but no, I appreciate the. To me, it's you know, I'm I'm an Ayn Rand. Ayn Rand, and managed to try to be Russian there, uh, Atlas Shrug type. Where I believe that Mother Teresa was selfish, meaning she did the things she did because she liked them. Like to me, I it would be a net negative for me to have an extra ten thousand bucks, which I want in general, but feel like I'm getting over on someone that's sick. So listen, if you have to eat, like if people are starving, I think the people that are trying not to starve do what they do to put morality on that. It's easy to sit with a full belly and critique it. But if you're in a position to choose, you know, there's uh, I, you know, and I guess the last thing I'll say is this. Uh, Mary, who I'm married to, does a lot for the company. And it's, you know, you would think it's, oh, it's the boss's wife. One of the things she did when she came in and said, you know something, I look around this industry. She knew a lot of the people on the periphery and stuff or people we used to be associated with. And she said, they hate their customer. Like in their hearts, they have to hate them in order to get over on them. Because you can't like someone and victimize them, right? And that's what ends up happening when someone has to take advantage of someone for whatever reason in their own mind. They demonize that person. They make it that they deserve it. And she said, what happens is if you hate your customer – you don't like yourself. You're not enjoying what you do. And we won't attract the right people, you know. And a guy like Fat is that you don't have to sell picks. You don't have to do this. And you're choosing to say, I can do this in a way that I feel good about. I'll do it. If you felt, if you had to feel dirty doing this, probably wouldn't do it. No, of course I wouldn't do it. And Well, the, you know, well, if you needed it to eat, you would. Then I might do it. All right. Might. But, <laughs> but the bottom line, I mean, it shows in terms of there's days. I just, if I don't have a bet I'm making myself, I'm not giving out a play. You know, bottom yeah. line. And listen, and there's all kind of levels of like, this is right. But it's about the people feeling right about it. And then you attract good people. And to me, you look in the product, you know, in the, Producers room, you got McKenzie. A lot of people question that he went to Yale. You know, I saw it and I saw some documents. I mean, I questioned it too initially, right, McKenzie? You ever see that movie Catch Me If You Can? I mean, it's not that hard to. <laughs> exactly. Leo. I don't think of Leo and you in the same thought usually. <laughs> <laughs> Just in forgery, that's it. <laughs> so, in forgery, Jesus. <laughs> I, I, the fact he had that word right in his head actually yeah. worries me a little bit. So, and you know, Matt, who's a little more mic shy, Mackenzie just hovers over that mic. Is <laughs> guy has an undergrad from UCLA and a post grad or graduate degree from Columbia. 
Or is it NYU? I always forget. Which one is it? It's Columbia. All right. That's that's called the Ivy Leagues, Faz. You didn't make huh. it there. Not in, <laughs> not in presence. I did get accepted. Pr- what? Cornell got me. Said yes. Is that in the Ivy Leagues? Yeah, but it's also in Ithaca, New York. Didn't want to go there. Wow. Cornell. And you didn't want to. What did you know about Ithaca? It was not. And you were in, from Dayton. It was not. Who, who, who from Dayton is going to like, I tell you this, though. <laughs> I got to give Fez some credit. And I hate that I have to. I can't remember who I was talking to, but they knew about Dayton. But they was only, this is in the last week. And there's this goofy pizza that he loves. And everyone in the planet <laughs> thinks the pizza they grew up with is the best pizza. Right? I bet you got a place you think it's yeah. like, right? Because that's what you grew up yeah. on. It's like because your mom had red shoes, so you have a shoe yeah. fetish. I mean, it just, <laughs> it's, uh, I, yeah. I shouldn't have told people. No, you shouldn't. Uh, <laughs> Too much. <laughs> Too, Too much. <laughs> but, and Fez, what's the name of it? Marion's Pizza. Oh, I got so sick of here. Yeah. On the way back from the Super Bowl, he just kept talking about it. And finally, I had to get to first class. But <laughs> <laughs> I asked him, I go, you know, a buddy of mine was talking about this pizza. And they would have no reason. To, they go, Marion's? I go, God darn it. I was so – they go, it is the best. I'm like, oh, my God. Now I've got to somehow go. It's amazing how like a confirmation sample size of one has No, but listen, if ass. someone that's been around the block says that, I take it seriously. Who wants to think Dayton has the best pizza? And, and then he was going, well, you know, uh, the Reds had this deal that they would go do this one thing if Marion's was provided. It's like he believed that was true. Like Marion set it up so they could write some article yeah. about it. But this is like 30 years ago. It's still stuck in his mind. Wow. That's good marketing. Yeah. But you somehow thumbed your – if they would have had a Marion's in Ithaca, you might have went to Cornell. <laughs> no. But let's be candid. Columbia, Cornell, it's not the same thing. Yale, Cornell, it's – you know, they had to have a – an arbitrary number of Ivy League schools. Yeah, I mean. You don't hear a lot on the Supreme Court from Cornell. No. It's. And, you know, that must have been a down year. Probably everyone at Harvard <laughs> and Yale, Mackenzie can correct me if I'm wrong. They probably make fun of, like, the, uh, the people that oh, say I'm they're sure. in the Ivy yeah. Leagues. And yeah. I well, we don't. Let, I'm not, from Cornell. All right, go ahead. You can tell one Ivy League. Well, Quick. I mean, it's just, it's exactly what you're saying. We have a joke in the Ivy Leagues. What does every Ivy we, Leaguer have in common? All, first of all, we. I mean, we huh. got huh. a joke. Well, I guess Cornell doesn't really participate. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> the joke is, what does every Ivy Leaguer have in common? They all got into Cornell. <laughs> is that really the joke? Yeah, we're not that far. Oh, my God, wow. Faz. That's, that's pretty bad. Your parents couldn't buy your way in? To Harvard or Yale? Yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't like, even like apply. The, fe- the Fezzik building? <laughs> the Fezzik building. Like at the library at mm. Yale? All right, enough. Go back to work. He's just hovering over the mic. We got to get that webcam in the control room just for that. Oh, now he's pushing it away. You know you can't stand that mic being away from you. He can't wait to be on air. And the funny thing is I said, you know, it's okay to be behind the scenes. It's like, I want to be on air. It's like, you don't really talk all that well. I know. I want to be on air. You might want to work on talking. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, there's just people, you know. All right, so <laughs> to close that all up, 
you're not getting guys that have you know that have choices if you're doing something dirty. So I, I hope you know, and I know in your own business dealings, you're the same way. So, Brad, will now listen. Open invite. You want to check in whenever, but you know we'll have a report come summer, and uh, you contributed a lot. And you know, if this was goodbye, it'd be sad, but it's not. So see well, you. Lunch. See you later. See you lunch soon. Yes. All right. Thanks, Brad. Thank you. We got a jam packed show of content here too. Fez, you've been stepping up. I um, but I tell you, get ready for him to defend the following: if the Colts sign Tom Brady. Downgrade them. Downgrade them. Yep, that's coming up. Showtime! Woo! Let's start there, Fez. Let's go through the quarterbacks. So you've got the Fezic quarterback list. This is for 2020, correct? Yes. So you make an adjustment for age and for rookies forever. So the older guys get worse, younger guys get better. In general, yes, RJ. Are there exceptions to that? There can always be exceptions. There could be, but are there? I don't know about older guys getting better. That That's an exception that I have not... Um, no, no, I done. said older guys get worse, young guys right. get better. Right. So I don't think there's an exception to the really... Once someone hits 39, they get worse. Yes. How old are you? I'm in my 50s. <laughs> but you're, you're like a fine wine. Well, my hair is. <laughs> What's well, on from this planet? The rest, not so much. All right, just finishing my Fig Newton there. It was lemon-flavored. Was it good? I like lemon-flavored things. I don't know why. I mean, like, because lemon doesn't seem like a flavor that be like, oh, it's lemon. But it is. I love it. That's a bang-bang. Well, that's where we go have a whole meal at one place, and then go right to another place and have another one. Bang-bang. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> All right, number one quarterback, Mahomes. Hard to debate. Number two, Russell Wilson. Hard to debate. Number three, Lamar Jackson. Fez, just for reference, where did you have Lamar Jackson ranked starting this prior season? 29. All right. So we have fun with it. But, and let's think it through live. What did we learn? learned- what did you learn? Honestly. Well, I, he learned how to throw a spiral. I mean, he got much better. I mean, yeah, but come on now, you had him like at nineteen, like in week six. Yep, and I was slow to react to how much better he was. And this shows when there's a fundamental change sometimes in a team or a player, how you got to go ahead and make that adjustment immediately, oftentimes, or at least more quickly than I did. I was too slow to react. The toughest time for a professional batter is when your instincts for more sample size, for to ignore the white noise, to ignore the vagaries. If someone is playing roulette and they win two straight days, do you start thinking the wheel's unfair or do you start thinking the guy got lucky? So nine times out of 10, if not 49 out of 50, erring towards more sample size, being skeptical of the short term is a good thing for a batter. Exactly right. But sometimes it's not. But the elite betters can recognize the aberrations in that basic strategy of thinking. And I appreciate you saying that. Oh, were you talking about me? I was. <laughs> Let's agree. Are you tracking the big six wheels yet? Let's agree. Let's agree, Fez, that I'm pretty good, pretty darn good 
saying this is a rare exception that it's either and I'm better with macro changes where I think there's a fundamental league chain change. And with the, I, I'm pretty good at that, wouldn't you say? No, I, I think you're world class and elite when it comes to even when we talk about props and the such like there are times when you say, well, you know, this one seems awfully square. But you know what? It makes a lot of sense, too. And it's a prop betting market and the limits are lower. Well, that's and- one thing I've learned is you the prop betting markets have no rhyme or reason. There's no closing line value in prop betting markets. Give no. me an R. Give me a J. What does it spell? Ramadan feast. <laughs> fast. Fast. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about the league, though, because I think some of Lamar Jackson's about how he threw, yes, but some of it is there is in you know, 2019, 2020, at least for seasons, you can have a running team with a running quarterback, and because of what the defenses have to do to stop the run, the passing doesn't have to be super proficient, but it can be uh, effective. Yeah, absolutely. And we saw that with Baltimore where they ran the ball, what, 56% of the time, I believe. However, when the defense went ahead and sold out to stop the run, they still had trouble stopping it. But what did it open up? One-on-one coverage deep. And Lamar Jackson throws a really nice deep ball so that he was able to connect oftentimes in short passes and with long bombs. Watson, Deshaun Watson next. And we're going to talk about various news items with these quarterbacks, too, because there's been a lot of quarterback news this week. Drew Brees next. Yeah, Drew Brees number five. All right, a lot of people think an old man Brees. Yeah, you know, I understand when you look that he's going to be 41. But if you look at his last two years, number two in the league in QBR two, the, two years ago, last year, number three in the league, and it was not like he was falling off a cliff. He was great in December in his performance, and I saw nothing that made me indicate, wow, this guy's getting old. And yet the narrative out there is like, oh, Breeze, he should retire, and he's being treated like he's Phillip Rivers. I just can't understand it. I mean, ask yourself which quarterbacks are better than him after on this list. Stafford next. Well, we know Stafford's not better, right? I don't know. I I tell you this. I think you have Stafford high. I think that he was uh, obviously had uh, his wife had cancer, I think. Brain. brain Real serious, uh, you know, distraction there. You've got a lot of turmoil in Detroit, it feels like. You got laminated paper and pencils. I mean, I don't know how that works. Not Not effective. And how old is he? 32. Feels like he's going to age fast. He's got some miles on him. Yeah, he took some hits. He's been hit. So I think the next guy should be above him. Dak Prescott. You know, when you have to put together a list of 35, I was thinking as I was driving in, RJ is going to hang me having Stafford better than than Dak. He's going to say, say, Fez. Well, listen, I've got one down here that's 10 times worse. We're going to hook you up to the lie detector. (laughs) Yeah, you get get one year, you get get Stafford or you get Dak. Are you really telling me that you take Stafford? I know you have like a little schizophrenia. This is you that has it here. So why? Make the case. I'm not going to make the case. I'm going to flip these two. Oh, you're right. RJ's number one. I mean, she's, I mean, you listen to that voice, the innocence in that voice. She knows. She knows. All right. 
stack. Number one net or yards per offensive play, Dallas. Number two, DVOA from football outsiders. Offense was great. Defense wasn't bad. There was a misalignment between the stats and the scoreboard. Does Dak get blamed for that in any way? I think you got to give him some blame. You can't make him, you know, the scapegoat here. I think Garrett, you know, the coaching, the special teams certainly may be more significant, but you got to give a percentage of it, maybe 20% on Dak there. Uh, it really is amazing. As good as Dallas was in the stats, they look like a Super Bowl team. They can only win eight games and be very interesting to see. I, I saw an early season win number on Dallas come out at nine and a half. Well, that seems high. And that's what everyone's saying. Yeah, because they only no, won eight. I like the number, though, because I would have wanted to go over. I would have loved over nine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I so I was disappointed. Now, next up, we have theme music for... I mean, could this be Aaron Rodgers number eight? You know what's interesting? <laughs> so I have Aaron Rodgers number eight. I know where this conversation is going. Oh, yeah, square. Square. See, I have Aaron Rodgers lower than almost everyone out there. But, of course, I have him too high. I have him based on reputation. What, what, what other Vegas lists are that we're talking about the talking heads from ESPN? Yeah, I just can't. I, under, I get it. Aaron Rodgers, mediocre the last like, two years in his stats. So what else matters? Yeah. I mean, the old, the talk radio guys talking about eye tests aren't betting in Vegas I, for a reason. I just couldn't put Kirk Cousins above Aaron Rodgers. I, 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 you, I you, had it, and uh, then I, I, I switched it back. So Cousins is next. Where's your head at with this whole 1 o'clock? You know, because really, we discovered it. Jonas Knox had the idea. McKenzie... He does no need to jump on Mike. <laughs> Pregame.com research helped flesh it out. He is better cousins than any quarterback in the history of the NFL against the spread at one o'clock. Meaning, if you compare his one o'clock to other people's career, if he only played one o'clock games, he'd be the best quarterback ever. That's simple. Cousins covers two thirds of the time. Two thirds. Other start times, one-third of the time, he'd be the worst quarterback that's played any length of time. Played any sample size, exactly. Somehow you found ways to buck that this year. I never bet against him at one. I never bet on oh, him. Oh, by the time, end of the year, I had come around to it completely. You had convinced me after so, beating me out of, I think, 600. And, it, and the theory is that, and Jonas found this, he's got an eight, like a compulsive OCD type interest in organization and routine and I don't want to diagnose him so I said like that in a weird way you blend the two his rankings probably about right I think you're it'd be hard to make him much higher Wentz I think Wentz should be above Cousins and I think Wentz should be above Rodgers interesting yep um, and and because let's be candid Wentz would have been higher a couple years ago yes absolutely. and this year was a lot about injuries around him yeah and Wentz he, he was crippled in that his skill position players think about it, all three of his wide receivers go down his uh, tight end Ertz gets banged up he's um Dallas Goddard becomes the go-to receiver I didn't know who Dallas Goddard was before the season was like four weeks and their number two tight end he really in retrospect, carried that team with no um, skill position players. I guess I'm, maybe I'm relying too much on the numbers. I look at his QBR last two years, 12 and 9. But isn't that the way that you find 
under and overvalued stocks or quarterbacks or teams is when do the numbers lie? Yeah. It's easy to start or when are the numbers uh, deceiving? Because it's easy to st- uh, to aggregate numbers and say, well, you know, the average. And I get it. A lot of people won't do that. Like with Rogers, you trump the numbers somehow. Yeah, it's interesting. But you couldn't trump the numbers with Cuz or with uh, Wentz because – if anything, though, when you have teams that you're trying to excuse, what happens? You say, well, that one, the, the nickel quarterback, cornerback was out and the wind was blowing, right? Sure. You can, I mean, you, you analyze enough plays, you can always find the exceptions yeah, well, to the you, rules. You prove to, that. I do, I do think, though, watching all the games, if properly done, unbiased, that's what can absolutely give the professional better and edge over I, just no the analytics human being guys. can have uh, no bias so mm. i'm not saying don't have an opinion from what you see but make sure the numbers back it up what the eyes can tell you i think is where to look to find the numbers in a way um whereas you're going to say hey i notice this team really fights back because you watch the game let's look at them in-game da- database search, when they're down 10 or more, how do they do? Mm. And then now you find that because you saw it. But if the numbers say the opposite, now what? Yeah. Right? And plus, we're not even watching the All-22, right? which, you know, it's hard. Sure. I, I think in a weird way, there's a book. It's called uh, – it's a new book. It's called The Man Who Solved the Market. It's about a fellow named Simmons and Renaissance Investments out of upstate New York. And the greatest quant ever uh, where he built literally a money machine. And one of the things that took him like 15 years to figure out, and not that I'm in any way ahead of this guy, but rather – you know, I have the benefit of his experience. That's the thing about reading. If you don't read or if you don't consume biography somehow, maybe it's uh, behind the music, you know, whatever, then all the mistakes other people make, you don't get the benefit from, right? And the only mistakes you get the benefit from are your own, and that's assuming you do that, which a lot of people don't. So what uh, this book, you know, details – his journey and what they figured out was ultimately the best indicators for to buy a stock were the ones that made the least sense that they they huh. spent years trying you know seeing yes it says this if it's cloudy on friday but it rains on thursday rained on thursday and the stock market is down 200 points do this and it took them so, so long in order to accept that these were the best signals because no one else could see them. They had the only database that could find them and no one else could see them. Parameters and, that appeared to have no correlation yeah, anything, or obvious Anything that's logical is going to get discovered soon enough. Mm. Right? And if something – and in a way, this is a side point. The main point is you either trust the numbers or you don't. Because if all you're doing is confirming your eyes, then the numbers are useless. Because if you just had your eye, like you think, 
that when, you know, or let's say you think Aaron Rodgers looks good. <clears throat> All right. Now, would you even say that? Because you're saying the numbers say one thing, but what's the counterpoint? Well, Aaron wow. Rodgers. Wow, wow. Go ahead. I believe he was 28 touchdowns and two interceptions. So, and that's all built into QBR, right. exactly. built into everything. So, it's what not going to get better, is it now? So, what are you seeing? That's what I'm saying. Is what are you seeing with your eye? Because the numbers say he's like 13. What are you seeing with your eyes that say otherwise? When it's third and five and the stakes are at the highest, Aaron Rodgers seems to make more plays than a quarterback of his numerics would make. That was the best answer you could have gave. That's a good answer. And I would have said in every other year, well, show me it on the scoreboard. Show me it in the standings. They did show it to you this year. So maybe he gets a little bit better. I don't benefit of the doubt because of that. I don't think. Well, if you just had pure stats, blind resume, and not even the eye test, where would you have Rodgers? Right in the middle. His QBR is 21, and all of his numbers are, say, average quarterback last two years. So I think he gets knocked up to maybe 12, right? It seems like you knocked him up too high. Yeah, it's just it's so difficult to put. You just, you're afraid? I'm afraid to be bucking so far. I'm already... I'm not on. I'm. I'm already a little bit on the island, and you're right. I'm. If I, I probably should be off by myself in Australia, you know, versus everybody else on the continents. That's the thing, Fez comfortable off dancing with yourself you i mean all high school you had it well you, I had, didn't, you didn't you didn't let the the socias tell you what to do well, i'd have to be dancing then <laughs> at all i feel the most comfortable when i'm alone with a concept i mean some nights too you know luckily i'm married but still <laughs> Next, you know, I do think that's such a key point. If you let your eyes trump your numbers, then your numbers are mean. Like, when do your numbers matter? What you're saying is, I'll let this person act like they're my number two. And every time they say something I agree with, I'll say, yeah, okay. And they feel like they are empowered. But then when I disagree with them, if I never listen to them, then them being there is irrelevant. Mm. Right. Sometimes you got to, And if you don't trust your numbers that much, you got to get better numbers. Yeah. Next. This is a listen. Let's acknowledge the following. He could be a disaster. But it's not certain. Big Ben. Yeah, I've been 11 and Fez MD is not even going to make a projection on what his health is. I mean, is. he was getting old as we saw. I mean, he didn't look good. Again, who knows? If his arm was already half hurt, I just don't think. I mean, Big Ben's moving. To, I mean, Big Ben's not going to be breaking any records for playing in his forties. No, and Big Ben is thirty-seven, so it would not surprise me if Big Ben came back and he was a borderline top-five quarterback. And it would not surprise me if he can't play a lick 
we're going to have to see. But if he is a top five quarterback, it's going to be only for a year or so before a major regression. I think you have him two slots too high. I would say not the next guy, but the next two should be above him. Next up, and again, we try not to have personal stuff interfere. I love Jimmy G. But sometimes it can't be helped. I love Jimmy G. <sighs> Make your case. Yeah, the Fez Jimmy G love continues as I have him number 12. And I'm glance, glancing at the numbers. And, of course, he was only 15 in QBR. And I think and that, that was with an amazing run, running attack. He was put in high leverage situations rarely. Yeah, and we really saw that in the playoffs, didn't who we? Knows, who knows Jimmy G best? You and who? Oh, I know Jimmy G. I know, but I'm, I don't mean in the biblical sense. <laughs> <laughs> the coaching staff in Shanahan. And what do they think? They think they, they do not trust him enough that in the Super Bowl, the biggest game of the year, hey, let's just go ahead and run the ball a couple times and go to halftime, right? We're fine. We're fine. End this game. It's like the five-card stud guy. Skeeter was his name. Now, this is back in the, the 90s. I was like 22 years old. Just out of college, I was killing this card game at the VFW. I mean, literally, like maybe fifteen hundred a month playing limit four eight limit. Wow. Only played once a week. It was a, had mm. pizza, the whole thing. <laughs> I loved it. Skeeter was one of these seventy year old dudes that grew up in the depression, and you know he never was a working guy, so he was always scuttling about trying to make some money there. But he he was one of those old time dudes. They're kind of gone now. That always were wore a sports coat. Hmm. But the sports coat was like old and soiled. It was like in his mind he had to wear a sports coat, but he a nice t-shirt would have looked a lot better. All right. But he loved five card stud. He was the it was dealer's choice. Five card stud. Why? Because when you're ahead, you're ahead. Mm-hmm. Right? So he, you know, he'd have two jacks. You'd have two tens and a flush draw, whatever. Well, I guess you can't have two tens and a flush draw and five card stud. But and when he would deal the last card, it was always hold that line, hold, hold, hold. No, no, he didn't say hold. Were you there? Were you? There? <laughs> I mean, why would you start screaming out things he wasn't saying? <laughs> we always wonder why. Anyway, it was hold that line. That was what was cute about it. Not just hold. <laughs> that you know, Fez. If you ever wonder, you know, does is RJ right that maybe I interjected? Because you know, the funny thing is, I want you to talk more. Just when it's your, you know, something you're, you know, like you, <laughs> I could not imagine you telling a story. And me starting to scream something the person said and it not being what they said because I have no idea. <laughs> Explain yourself. Jared always yells, hold my friend that's a poker that player. Been, that would have been a fascinating follow-up story. Yeah. <laughs> not really. <laughs> Why do you do it? <laughs> just tell us. I'm just happy my mic didn't get turned off. <laughs> yes. yes. Yet, Mackenzie, be ready. <laughs> You're having a hell of a show. That was crazy. In fact, Matt, jump on my. We got a diagnose fast. What? What could call? Have you ever done that? No, I usually wait for the follow up. <laughs> but have you ever? 
I just started making things up in the middle of someone else's story. I think he has a very active imagination. <laughs> and he's able to place himself in your memories. Now that scares me, actually. You know, this hypnotism with false memory plan. I mean, if, if I wake up tomorrow thinking he said, Oh, oh, I'm going to be freaked out. <laughs> Any closing thoughts? None. That was great. That made the whole pod, actually. Hold that line. Now, number 13. This is the guy I like. I think he should be ahead of Big Ben, ahead of Jimmy G. He should be 11. Kaiser, no. Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, and obviously Tannehill was tremendous with the Titans. And the question is, how much do I wait? How well if you played. even go back when he was healthy with Miami, and let's be candid, Adam Gase is no quarterback whisperer, right? We'll see Sam Darnold here entering year three further down the list. As much as we're going to make fun of you in another way with Brady, if the Pats trade, if, Ten- if Brady signed with Tennessee the same day that Tannehill signs with New England, I'm upgrading New England. Oh, absolutely. Most people wouldn't feel that. Next, I also think better than Jimmy G, better than Big Ben, Matt Ryan. Yeah, and what happened is that Matt Ryan was not very good, bottom line. Hold on a second. For the vast... Hold the phone. QBR. So you got Matt Ryan number 14. Yes. QBR, Matt Ryan, Atlanta, last year was 11. Okay, that's better than 14. Year before was nine. Year before was five. If you took an average, how many quarterbacks would have a better average the last three years? Three or four? Mm, Yes. Right? Obviously, Mahomes. Obviously, uh, Breeze. You know Russell Wilson? Number seven, number 11, number 30. Oh, wait, number 10. I'm sorry. Seven, 11, and 10. Adds up to 28, right? Yep. Okay. Matt Ryan adds up to 25. So Matt Ryan. Same as Dak. Yeah. So, yeah. So I'm confused. Why is Matt Ryan so low? Trend line. He was number five. Trend trend line. Then nine, Uh then 11. It just seemed like there were so many games in the first half of the year that Atlanta. Couldn't we make the case that Atlanta having a nightmare season? Was a reason to depress those stats a little bit? Well, you could make that case, but there were plenty of games where they got buried, like the Minnesota game oh my in the God. first half, and he piled oh up the yards. Oh, well, first off, you first have no idea how many yards he piled up. Like That's just a dream in your head that, oh, they were behind, so it must have been easy to throw. So that's why the, all the QBR leaders are on the bad teams, right? I mean, you do realize what you're saying I, makes no sense. I, in the first half what of the year, I do no think it, sense. No, I think it well, makes well, lots of sense. Let me ask you a question. How Kansas City, let's go down the list of the QBR last year. How Lamar Jackson and Baltimore do? Pretty, no. pretty well, right? Number one. Okay. Had to lead the whole game. Okay. No, no. Yeah. All right. But what I'm saying is Mahomes, Super Bowl champion. Breeze, Saints, playoff team, almost a bye. Prescott, they certainly... Had great stats, but 500 team. Not one below 500 team yet. Number five. Where's number five? 
Who was five last year? Mm-hmm. Mackenzie, look up QBR last year for five. Russell Wilson. Okay. Well, why do you have Russell Wilson at seven, Fence? Maybe it was the weighted versus unweighted that I may have made a mistake. All right, remember, you want to use real QBR. Yeah. Is that real QBR? A total QBR. Oh, is that what's called? Okay, thank you. I went to Yale. Okay. Um, <laughs> you might want to check that because um, that's actually the total QBR is the thing that puts strength of schedule in. Mm. So without that is a problem. Um, well, but still generally going to be right. Number six, Watson, how'd they do? Number seven. So what's the first team with a losing record? Wilson, number seven, and yours? Carr, eight. All right, eight. So, I mean, do you see the correlation, Fez? I do. So how can we say that Ryan's higher because they lost a bunch of games? Right? Probably I overreacted to the first half of the year when he had so many of these aberrations. But let's face it, we are on the same page in the second half of the year. No, Matt we're Ryan. not on the same page because mm-hmm. you're saying losing games helps your QBR. And I'm saying there's no mm-hmm. correlation to that. So how are we on the same page? Do you believe losing team quarterbacks have an advantage in QBR? Then why would you say it? Because Matt Ryan, I felt middle of the year, had a QBR that was just way too high oh, when Atlanta so, was a and bad, how, and you bad were watch, team. And you were watching every play, right? But the, I, I was watching every play, but the uh, second half of the year— No, no. When you watch the rewind, you're not watching every play in any way that— you really want to say you're watching every Atlanta play? You know, I'm going to go and do research on Matt Ryan. That's my homework. Well, yeah. I'm going to go back on that first half of the year. And what are you going to do? Say in this one game you had 180 yards? I'll go back through all. Uh-huh. All right. Fitzpat- and how old is Matt Ryan? 34. I mean, so he's just dropping off the planet, huh? Because he's 34. Who? What quarterback starts dropping? I mean, we just said Stafford might be, and what I'm saying is, is like that'd be an aberration. What about Matt Ryan makes us think he's physically dropping off? Just the fact that he he, he was so good a Super Bowl year, and he's tailed off since. Then. Tailed off? I mean, he has like almost the best QBR of any team with a losing record. Yeah, that seems like he's not tailing off. It seems like his team was dragging him down. I'm not saying Matt Ryan's the best quarterback. I'm saying he's better than Jimmy G. If Jimmy G were on the 49ers, mm. the 49ers would be – or if Matt Ryan were on the 49ers, 49ers would be Super Bowl champion right now. True or false? True. So how could he be better than him? It's a strong argument. Close your eyes. Forget what he looks like. Yeah, Matt Ryan's better. <laughs> next, Fitzpatrick. Who's he going to start for next year? Is he going to play next year? I, I, I mean – What's the rationale here? He just seems Fitz Magic seems underappreciated. Everywhere he goes, he plays. He's thirty seven, well. by the way. Yeah, he's thirty seven. And it seems like no one wants to keep him. No one values him. And he just keeps playing well. He was plus five in inter- uh, touchdowns, seventeen and twelve. Huh. So Rosen's is back up. There was some news on Rosen today. What was it, Mackenzie? Oh, you want to pull that up? I think he's saying he's going to stay with Miami as a backup. We'll get that in a second. So make your case. For him being this high or yeah, this low? This high, this oh. low. He, he might not start oh, next oh, he year. Does. He's 15. Well, well, Matt Ryan had a QBR of 11, and Fitzpatrick was better last year. He was 10. Listen, if all this was, if all this was, was you. All right, here's the headline from CBS. Josh Rosen, quote, likely to remain with the Dolphins. 
in 2020, even with Ryan Fitzpatrick returning? Well, how could he have any chance with the 15th best quarterback? Well, I think Fitz makes everybody better in terms of— Well, if he makes everyone better, why does every team discard him like three-day-old fish? I can't can't understand it. So maybe let's let the teams tell us something. Because the way he plays, he puts his head down and he takes on linebackers. He's crazy, and you would—I would—and it seems like— So do you think they're all just making irrational decisions? They hate Harvard? No. You think they just hate Harvard? They must know something— There's this part of this hate of the Ivy League? They must know something I don't know. But you don't— you just discount that. You close your eyes and act like it's not true. I just look at Miami. Why were they playing Rosen instead of Fitzpatrick for a while? Because they know Fitzpatrick is not a long-term solution, and they wanted to get some reps to see if Rosen was. Fair enough. It's so funny when you say, oh, but he's better than Ryan because he was te- – I mean, if QBR were the question, we wouldn't have this exercise, right? Right. It's so weird when you trust the numbers and when you don't. Is it, it's not even like there's a rhyme or reason to it. Look at him. My quantitative. You notice anything different about him? Look at his face. Look at his <laughs> eyes. He won a national math competition in China. He doesn't even speak English. Yeah, I'm sure of the math. <laughs> Fez, you're a certainty in the math waivers. He does speak English and he finished second in that contest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so Fez saw the big short. He's all excited. <laughs> what what led you to see that movie? Seems like my kind of movie, right? Steve, I agree, Steve but you, you only see like three movies a year. It's my kind of movie. Yeah, I like that. I've seen that movie six or seven. I mean, it's just a really good movie. You know, I know there's a lot of politics in it, you know, and uh, that's debatable. But I think it's a great movie. And what's not debatable is that the rich people... They're trying to screw you because they want to keep it all. I was telling Brad earlier, everybody, anything worth having, you have to fight over because someone else wants it, Hmm. right? If no one else wants it, you don't have to fight over it. By the way, guys, college basketball got it covered. We've got A.J. Hoffman. If you listen to the A.J. pod with Brad over the years, I guess there were two, they started it is depth of knowledge amazing. He's a broad, professional broadcaster. We'll be taping. We'll have him sitting in where, you know, he's in by uh, ISDN. And uh, we pre-taped him here because he's coming to Vegas for the fight. And we've got his two overrated teams, his two underrated teams, and as part of our best bet, best bet on Thursday, Thursday. Moving on. Car. So Raiders are looking to shop car, but you've got him 16. Yeah, you know, I the Raiders obviously know a lot more about Derek Carr than I do. And again, who's even knowing if they're shopping him in a way, right? That's the, the, the scuttlebutt. The rumor is that yeah. Mayock doesn't like him and, and the like. And I don't understand it. Everything that I see from Derek Carr with my eyes says, here's a guy that is... Uh, poised in the pocket, for the most part, makes good decisions, completes 70% of his passes. Raiders were only supposed to win six games this past year. They were contending for— Did you hear about that road trip they had? They had this road trip from hell. It was going to kill them the whole year. Yeah, 24,000 miles, and they won seven games, and they could have won eight. And I thought Derek Carr played well, and I keep hearing about, oh, major problem for the Raiders— 
uh, but not on defense. That's where the problem was, was defense, and, they be, and they're blaming it on Derek Carr. I don't understand it. My sense is, and I don't have any great insight, my sense is, and, I, and this is from people, that Gruden loves a mobile quarterback, and he just isn't mobile, and he's not great. So he's, maybe he is 16, but he'd rather have a 16 that's mobile than a 16 that's not. Josh Allen next. Now you've got him in green. What does that mean? Last uh, year's or, green just means the draft that, that okay. say, those five guys were all in the draft two years ago. So I think that's fair. I mean, I think that he better keep improving his arm accuracy, accuracy and all that yeah. because he, he won't be able to keep running as much as he's running. Exactly. And that's why I have him 17. His, I, I know that the numbers QBR includes um, quarterback rush. I am surprised QBR only has him 24 because the eye test, every time I watch him, I mean, I'm that impressed. eye test, you can't. The eye test. It's very valuable. Next up, we got a little theme, a little drop for, because this is the controversy. If all my bets were safe, there just wouldn't be any juice. Number 18, Jacoby Brissett. Yeah, the much. So if somehow, if some way, the Colts. Oh. The coach traded for Tom Brady. Fez downgrades him. How, how much? How much? How well, much would you downgrade him? Well, if I look at my numbers, they're both rated numerically equivalent. So by like 0.2 points. But you literally are going to say if the coach trade for Brady, you'd have to give up straight up for Brissett. You're downgrading him. I would. Now, I've been saying Tom Brady's going to regress for years and years and years. And finally, at least last year, finally, I was right after losing like five bets on Tom Brady. I won a bet. But you look at Brady at 43 now, uncharted territory. And I get it. The whole avocado ice cream, the kale shakes. The man is. I didn't ask about Brady. Yeah. Jacoby Brissett, he's the 18th best quarterback. He's better than, in no particular order, Brady, Murray, Bridgewater, Goff. I mean, up and down. Mayfield, Darnold. Brissett, you're saying, is right an average quarterback. Make the case. Other than saying number 16 in QBR. When he was 27 the year before. Well, the Colts were contending for a playoff spot for most of the year. They only won seven games. They had a terrible field goal kicker that kept missing, which cost them I mean, game after game. We know the quarterback. Uh, I mean, it's e- when they lose, it's easier to have QBR. Don't you know that? So I, it seems like you're. I don't. What are you saying? I, I think that the public perception is Brissett's being blamed for the Colts being a losing. But you do team. realize they're trying. I mean, the Colts are either drafting. I mean, the Colts are saying this guy isn't good enough to be our quarterback. Yes, I understand that. And, and you're Col- saying and you know don't better. know what you're talking about. Exactly. I'm saying I know more than the Colts with this numeric ranking, obviously, because I'm on an island saying I thought Brissett was just fine at quarterback. Next up, Kyler Murray. I think you're a little premature here. I think he could be 19. I don't think he is. Yeah, and I really liked what Kyler Murray did during the second half of the year and the improvement. And because of that, and he started to run more. He didn't run that much in the first half of the year. So I upgraded Murray more than I think most people did, waiting the second half of his year much more than the first half. Brady's 20. We talked about it. Is there anything other than he's getting old and he didn't look good after the fourth game last year? I mean, I'm not saying it needs to be more. Is that it? That's it. 
I do think you make an interesting point, uncharted. It is uncharted, meaning we could come up with 100 crazy stats about, like, Brady in the first three games the next year will throw for more yards at his age or older than anyone has in the history of the NFL combined, you know. Mm-hmm. There's all kind of – I guess George Bland is in the mix somewhere. As a kid, there was all the George Bland footage. Kick field goal. He was like 50 years old. We got some odds updated. Brady's next team. Remember recording on Wednesday at the pregame.com studios. New England, minus 330. Raiders, plus 600. Chargers, 10 to 1. Miami, 14 to 1. Tennessee, 20 to 1. Colts, the downgrade, 20 to 1. Dallas, 22 to 1. Chicago, 34 to 1. This whole Dallas for Dak, Belichick would walk to Dallas to trade Brady for Dak. Oh, no question. <laughs> so, does anything jump out at you? I mean, what team, you know, Matt, the producer, asked this question, I think. What team would really be upgraded by getting Brady? Because. Really, the 20th quarter. I mean, Chicago would be, but not really to a contender. Dallas, huge downgrade. Apparently, Colts would be downgrade. Tennessee would be a downgrade if the other option is Tannehill. Miami would be a downgrade with Fitzpatrick. Chargers don't have a quarterback. Tyrod Taylor. Yeah. Where's he at? He'd be like, I don't know if I have him in here. By the way, Rosen, you have at minus four over Fitzpatrick. And thus, he'd be minus three and a half. So, Rosen's, like, worse than Haskins. Yeah, he'd be the worst starting quarterback. Oh, and Haskins right now is the worst. Yes. All right. Um, so, Brady odds up. Next up, he hasn't started since Moses wore short. Oh, wait. Teddy Bridgewater, number 21. You're freaking crazy. Too high. Too high. Too high. Well, you were the one telling me how bad he was. All through, we lost. So I think we would have won the Super Contest if it wasn't for all the anti-Saints picks you made. Yeah, Teddy just kept winning game after game, 5-0 and straight up and against the spread while putting up mediocre stats week after week but with the Saints he, team. But uh, somehow, with a bullet, number 21. It, I, my numeric rating on him is still a zero. He's an average NFL quarterback. Uh, does it, but that makes him 21. Yeah. The zero means he's average... But he's 21. Yes. He's too high. He didn't start. He signed a backup contract entering the year. How can he be better than half the quarterbacks? Because. Because he beat you out of a few bets? How many? He takes it personal, fellas. I know it's a small sample size, but still going 5-0. and oh. My God. All this about the team. You realize the teams and the quarterback, there's not some great correlation there. If the quarterback's not putting up the – meaning, yeah, there's times the quarterback wins the game for him. But was Bridgewater doing that? Are we going to say he wasn't losing the game? He wasn't losing the game. Oh, my gosh. He wasn't. And a lot of – most backup quarterbacks do lose you the games. So he should maybe be the best backup. That would be 33, right? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> Let me look at the backups. Well, you said Bridgewater was by far the best. Yeah. And you said that in another time. Yes. Who's the second best backup? Tyrod Taylor was the second best. Oh, there you go. All right. Let's just say you got him too high. Next up, Jared Goff. I think that's about right. Next up, Winston. I think that's about right. 
I mean, obviously, 30 and 30 and all this stuff, 30 million, 30 TDs, 30 interceptions. Phillip Rivers, 24. Not many teams would be an upgrade getting Rivers. Yeah, Col- I, Colts would be g- a gigantic downgrade. And I got Rivers way lower than everyone else. It's like, oh, Philip Rivers is going to save our team. Well, at least the media has been saying that. Haven't seen anybody looking to sign him yet. And I really did not like the way Rivers was playing, especially after September. I actually play think fell you off. got him too high. I think literally the next four quarterbacks are better than Philip Rivers. And I think the next four quarterbacks are better than Teddy Bridgewater. Huh. Next up, Baker Mayfield. You've got him 25. His QBR was 20. There was massive, massive disruption, coaching, drama. I know he caused some of it, but wouldn't we agree – that Baker had about as bad of a season as he could have had. Yes. And he still was 20th. And I know that sometimes numbers matter to you. How can he be 25? Entering his third year when you're supposed to be maturing. I'm giving him some of the blame for all the disruption that occurred mm-hmm. on the field. And it seems like all he does is make commercials, which so now are really we got, now we got good commercials. Now we got something new. It's your eye test combined with the quantitative stuff combined with now there's locker room factors. I think yes <laughs> and if ever there was a team that needs a squeaky hard-working lunch pail quarterback it would be the cleveland browns not a quarterback that's making commercials left and right now you're making an interesting point what you're saying is you're grading these guys in their current circumstances so lamar jackson if somehow he got traded from baltimore he'd get downgraded significantly because baltimore built a system around yes him. okay so you just didn't – I mean, I guess what you're saying is he's going to get worse in the circumstances which were as bad as they could have been are going to get worse too because his QBR was 20. Now he's ranked 25 in the FESIC rankings. Yes. You don't seem like you really believe that too much. <sighs> Higher. Maybe. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to have the RJ edited FESIC rankings, which let's be candid – High demand. Mackenzie, which ones are you using? The Fe- the Fezic purity test ones or the RJ edited? Definitely RJ's. If you just made one improvement, it would be better, and you've already convinced them like three or four changes already. So I'll take the edited. Exclusively, at least initially on Twitter. His Twitter handle is at RJ in Vegas. These are the Fezic quarterback openers. <laughs> my Touching them up, baby. Much like Pinnacle. Touching them the up. Next guy I think should also be above Rivers and Bridgewater, Sam Darnold. So number 26. There's a lot of Sam Darnold love out there, Fez. I keep asking this question. Tell me the quarterback that entered or ended his second season as bad as Darnold played, let's just say during his second season, and ever became an elite quarterback. I'm not saying he couldn't become a number 12 or number 13. Top 10. I don't know. I don't don't have one. Oh, I was saying by thumbs up is I wanted to keep (laughs) I'm never Close, tell, way off. I, I will never tell you to wipe what, something on the screen. Gotcha. So if I'm motion, it means I like it. 
So I haven't seen these yet. Phillip Rivers, next team odds. Tampa Bay, even money. Colts plus 150. Boy, I would rather have, I would certainly rather have all those interceptions <laughs> and Winston than Phillip Rivers. Yeah, I mean, you've got such a higher ceiling, right? Yeah, I mean, there's a 10% chance he becomes what he could have been. Carolina 9 to 1, no way. Carolina's building for the future. Raiders 10 to 1, Chicago 12 to 1. That'd be interesting. Miami 12 to 1, New England 20 to 1. Yeah, it's a back up. You know, you say you said something very interesting here. You just made an implied bet. Go ahead. You said Carolina, and this might be the, the sharpest one of the sharpest takes that we can have. Carolina's building for the future. You know what their season win number is? Uh-uh. Six and a half. So, when was the last time a team that's clearly building for the future? No, I think it's under there. Is, yeah. that, where, is that bettable? Bet online, yeah. Oh, Small think, limits. Uh, yeah. You know, it's always, it's not, you know, the real $50,000 bettors worry about betting small and giving it away. Let's just say this. I'll make a commitment. If that opens anywhere that we can get a dime plus on it, you know, to gather each of us, I like the under there a good bit. It w- I do as well, and it wouldn't surprise me. Carolina could have the worst record in the NFL, right? Wouldn't L- surprise Listen, me. this hedge fund guy really is sharp, and he's not worried about the short term. And it's not like losing is virtuous, but he wants to get his guys in there. And he wants to find out what he's got. We'll see Flipper Allen here coming up. So... No other thoughts on Darnold? I was going to upgrade him because of the mono situation. I was going to give him a oh, little bit of a pass. God. But then I, I knew you were going to ask how me about my MD long, physics how, stuff. How freaking long are we going to hear about mono? Exactly. That's why I didn't make it. High school kids don't compl- say, I didn't get into, like, I didn't get into, yeah, I'll get into Cornell because mm. I got mono. And then I went to Northwestern. No <laughs> one says that. A lot of them don't admit to Northwestern. The next guy is the most egregiously rated guy on here. He is perhaps 10 slots too low. Hmm. Andy Dalton, 27? You'd rather have Philip Rivers right now than Andy Dalton. You're freaking insane. Close your eyes and think about it. Don't think about, oh, Colin calls him the red water pistol or whatever. <laughs> Think about what you've seen as a half a Bengals fan. I see two wins. I see two well, wins. I do see wait, wait. I do see the team collapsing when Dalton got benched and then playing much better when he did come oh, back. Oh, cuz where's Finley at on this list? Very good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, three and a half down from Dude, Dalton's like the 18th best quarterback in the NFL. Like, what makes you think not? I think I'm... I, I'm Honestly, all this talk about the team's record sounds square as square well, can be. Well, the Bengals were as bad as bad which, can be Which means it's year. amazing he played well when he did. Mm. That means he has a bad O-line. It means he got bad everything. A.J. Green's no, AJ talking, Green. about, talking about his hangnail. Tyler Eiffel's always... Eifert is always hurt. Yeah, so... John Ross is always hurt. I mean, the idea that you'd have Teddy Bridgewater before Andy Dalton's insane insane. How old's Andy Dalton? He's not that old. He's 32. He was making Pro Bowls not that long ago. You know, you're making strong cases yeah, You here. think? All I've said is you're crazy. McKenzie, I haven't made any take, case. Take Dalton off the list. No, Fezzik will get back to No, no. It's on the list. There is no other. Fezzik's list is locked in. There'll be the RJ Fezzik list. Fezzik openers. It's uh, locked in. 
And next up, I'll say the following. This could be even crazier. The only reason I'm not as worked up is I don't want to be like Brad and have, a, you know, have heart problems. But also, there's health questions. But he's had a year off. Cam Newton, number 28? If we knew Cam Newton was healthy, where would he be? 15. Right in the middle. Maybe better than that. Maybe. Between 10 and 15. It would not be top 10. Yeah. And what certainty do we have that he's only 30 years old? What certainty do we have he's not healthy? We don't have any certainty. So even if it's 50-50, this is like worst case. If Newton was playing like he did when he was hurt, 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 shot putting the ball, he'd be 28. Well, he'd be worse. No, would he? Yeah. I mean, Trubisky? I mean... You got another egregious one here, Well, too. Newton was last in those two games they played in the league. Oh, he oh, couldn't so play now, at all. So now we're going to – I'm not talking about when he he fought to play like with mm. a foot that he should yeah. have had surgery. I'm talking about the end of the prior year when he was hurt. And when he finished 19th yeah. overall for the year. That's a good point. And even if you look at the second half of the year when he was more hurt, maybe he's 25. He wasn't the worst quarterback. Yeah, because they started 6-2. and two, Am I right? Yeah, I don't remember. I think, I think all I know is this is crazy. Cam Newton could, in the right – if you give him to Belichick and Newton listened, right? And Newton's hitting that age where he realizes it might be his last rodeo mm-hmm. here soon. I think Cam Newton's the eighth or ninth best quarterback in the NFL today. He physically can't be that dropped off. Again, assuming – but there's no foot injury like that that's permanent. You know, He doesn't like have a drop foot or whatever. I mean, you can get hurt. I mean, so – it's just a matter he never let himself heal. He was forced to now. Why is Carolina not welcoming him no, back I, and completely I think, rebuilding How do we know they're not? We don't. I think they're going to trade him mm-hmm. and get something of value. I bet they get a third or fourth round pick for him, which is valuable. Jimmy G got traded for a second because his contract's actually reasonable this year. Look that up. What is contract? What, what is the cap hit for Newton? I think it's around twenty million. Right? I don't know. Yeah. That's why I'm looking it up. I don't just guess. If there's facts, I like to get the fact. I'll negotiate. I'll debate over should Cam Newton literally be almost the worst? I mean, look at the quarterbacks you got below him. In no order: Trubisky, uh, Locke, Flipper, Allen, and Haskins. Come on, dude. Come on. Come on. Could you, I mean, you really could imagine like Bridgewater, you know, waddling out there with his bad legs and stuff over Cam Newton, who won the MVP a couple years ago? Oof. All right. Next up, Mitchell Trubisky. And the guy after him might be more egregious. No, but he's pretty egregious. The guy after him should be 20. And he's got him at 30. Any comment on Trubisky? No, I'm confident Trubisky has struggled last year, and he's going to continue to struggle. Number 30, Nick Foles. What the heck? He just signed a $30 million whatever contract, right? Yes. And he played eight plays and broke his collarbone. Yep. Came back to a truly dysfunctional team. That had to gut, they almost had to bring the police in. <laughs> and he didn't play great. And they had the stash that people, the team seemed to love. 
So he wasn't maybe able to win over the locker room. That's an indictment. Okay. But you're saying Nick Foles is worse than Trubisky? Worse than Phillip? I mean, I don't get it, dude. Jacksonville went with Minshew at the end of the year versus Foles. And there was a lot of, I mean, the assumption with Foles is that contract he signed, he was like the 13th, 12th, 13th best quarterback. I don't think this year told us that much about him. You agree? Yes, because who knows? Maybe they rushed him back after the um, the clavicle got broken and he was not 100%. And maybe I'm overreacting to the fact Minshew couldn't play a lick by the end of the year, and yet Jacksonville still was choosing him over Foles. Well, why couldn't Minshew play a lick, though? I he mean, would... I, what I'm saying is I'm not sure that's true either. Well, Minshew fell off completely at the end of the year in terms of his performance after playing well his first four or so starts. Yeah, I I just – it's like we talk about sample size so much, and then we're going to let like one or two starts tell us so much? Well, it seems like a lot of these guys, though, these replacement quarterbacks, we talked about had their success and it lasted about four games – and well, then, yeah, I'm the one that led the way with that. Exactly. Right. So, but what I'm saying is, some of these guys are going to be good enough. And here's the thing: I'm not saying Minshew's a franchise quarterback. I'm saying Minshew maybe could be the 23rd best quarterback in the league one day. I agree with that. All right. So, yeah. you know, listen. I think in general, whenever there's an excuse why sample size shouldn't really matter, it's not an excuse. It's just trying. Someone's trying to be convenient with it. Right, sample size should matter. All right. Now, this is fascinating. A lot of talk. Maybe he shouldn't go to the Bengals. Except, except nine months ago, seven months ago, Joe Burrow was projected to be a third or fourth round pick. And now he's supposed to be John Elway, Eli, and him are supposed to strong arm the Bengals. Uh, you've got him 31. A lot of people will be shocked at that. Yeah, that's interesting. Would, when you say a lot of people would be shocked, you think that he should be higher or lower? No, that he should be 42. What do you think? I mean, he's the number one quarterback. He's mm-hmm. getting all this attention, and you think he's worse than Trubisky. You yes. could see that maybe that's what people would latch on to? Well, I mean, you look at look at Lamar Jackson. He comes into the league and the, his improvement in the second year. I mean, the first— Well, hold number- on a second, though. The fact you had Lamar 29 was you. Lamar was pretty decent. I mean, Lamar was probably 22 or 23 after his first year. Yeah, fair enough. But either way, he wasn't the number one pick. Yeah. He was the last pick of the first round. Well, you look at the struggles of all the other first-round quarterbacks and Mayfield and Darnold and Rosen and even Josh Allen in their first years. No, no, I'm not saying you're wrong. And I think you could make the case Burroughs uh, – a worse bet. I mean, to me, all I know is this: Burrow a year ago was a third or fourth round pick. So short sand, but also he had the greatest statistical season ever: sixty touchdowns, six interceptions. And I mean, we got the stats here: fifty six hundred yards, like you said, sixty touchdowns, six interceptions. Heisman won the championship, Manning Award winner, and literally. He couldn't start at a high state. So what I'm saying is this is as interesting of a short-term, long-term debate as I've heard. 
and or seen? I'm not sure the right answer. I tell you this, I have a lot less confidence. And Colin has his sociological stuff. Some I agree, some I don't. I agree with the following. If you're not a prodigy at certain things, it almost puts a limit. Like, you never see a chess player emerge at 22 and be, like, the best. You can be something, but if you have that, the, the raw talent you need, it would have came out beforehand. And I think a quarterback, can you really be a guy that Ohio State lets leave mm. and be one of the best quarterbacks walking the earth? Because that's what a number one pick is supposed to eventually be, a top 10 quarterback. I'm not, but Burrow's the guy I would say if he's ever an exception because he had the best season ever. Yeah, because if, if he had just had a really, really good year. Yes. Instead of even a even, that, even year, a Heisman year. Right? Like Kyler Murray, he didn't have that kind of year. So the following two things are incongruent. Number one, if I say the quarterback who in the history of the world had the best college football season probably won't be all that good. Doesn't make sense. Especially if he doesn't have any physical limitations. Some quarterbacks excel in college, you know, Andre Ware, whatever. This is a guy physically that doesn't have that problem. He's not extraordinary physically, but he's, he, he meets the minimum. Joe Burrow does. That doesn't make sense that a guy with the best season – Ever would be not good in the pros. On the other hand, a guy who up to age what? How old's Burrow now? 23. It's like he's, is he getting his law degree? <laughs> he's 23. The idea that a 23-year-old could be literally 23 and be considered an afterthought at age 22. At age 22... Joe Burrow was going to be a flyer, a third or fourth round pick. Almost certainly. <laughs> Who's that horrible guy that's now the face of the XFL? The Steelers drafted. I hate, I, I, I mentally blocked oh, it. Lion, Lion, Landry Jones. Jones. Yeah. He's a Landry Jones. If it, the idea that a Landry hmm. Jones type is going to be an elite quarterback, that's incongruent. So you've got two yes. data points that completely point you opposite directions. Mm-hmm. I don't and know. one of them is going to be very wrong. Burrow is 11 months older than Lamar Jackson. Hmm. So in a way, it's back to that idea that he's dominating. Young, it's like BYU kids that go on hmm. a mission or whatever. And it's also, if you take three, or three years to develop, you know, it's like you don't, I guess the asset you know, it's not a new house. It's a you know three-year-old house. He's about two or three years behind, which means physically he has advantages that made it easier for him to excel in college. There's a lot of questions here. The idea he should be pulling a once a decade or once every 20-year type power play? Nah. Now that's a great point, that the only guys that should be able to do that are guys that are like, Back-to-back Heismans, and they were favored to win the Heisman. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I think if, on one hand, I don't want a guy with a lot of promise to go to the Bengals because it's not that they lose so much. It's because the staff is so bad and the owner's so cheap. On the other hand, the league doesn't exist if people get to pick where they you know, get mm-hmm. drafted to. I mean, I know there's all kind of theories about this being unfair, 
you know, why, who else gets addicted? But the NFL is where you're choosing to work. You know, that, I don't know. It's an interesting debate. Landry Jones, and we're going to go through these quick. This is fascinating. This is from Twitter. You know, I, I want to make sure to tribute this, Fez. I know you don't really care. Pick one guy beh- below Landry Jones you want to talk about. I think this Locke Flacco is interesting. And then I'm going to pull up the Landry Jones attribution. Go ahead. Yeah, so we'll talk about Locke in Denver. He's my number 33 quarterback. I've got him at the bottom. Certainly potential, but um, I'm not buying in that he's ready yet in the NFL. And in fact, I have Joe Flacco with the neck problems and, and all the issues still being one point better than Locke, despite Locke being the projected starter for Denver. This is from C- Curtis Patrick. See Patrick NFL. Since 1970, only 12 rookie quarterbacks have posted a single game in which they had 300-plus passing yards, three-plus touchdowns, zero interceptions. 12 quarterbacks since 1970. That's been almost 50 years, or 50 years, I guess. 12. 11 of them did it one time, once and done. 11 guys, so it's like what, Fez? Every four and a half years, years, someone does it once. No one's ever done it twice until Landry Jones three times. That's unfreaking believable. It happens every four and a half years once. He did it three times. You know, it's escaping. It's not Landry. What's what's his first name? Jones for the Jones. Oh, Daniel Jones. Yeah. Why did I say Landry? Yeah. Oh, he's stuck on the brain. And then I forgot Daniel. I call him Mr. Daniel (laughs) Jones. Yes, Landry. Oh, (laughs) that's amazing. All right, Flipper Allen, you got 34. Haskins, the he he sets the, the the floor. I tell you though, that skins team was running the ball. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not saying much more than that. And they, AP is coming back at age 35, making two million a year. Hey, you don't think he was a two million dollar running back? He was a year? good running back. I know, capable running back. Good, probably. Um, overly optimistic, but certainly was not a liability. Serviceable, you could say, even. That's the word. <laughs> Final thing on these quarterbacks, and I'm going to put this on my Twitter, little adjustments from Fez. If you want to get his original, at Fezzik Sports, F-E-Z-Z-I-K, it's at Fezzik Sports, all one word on Twitter. M-R-I, cleared to play Flacco. Horrible contract, and many felt this entering the year they overpaid in year two, especially. The cash they're paying Flacco next year, $20 million. The cap hit $23.5 million to back up Drew Locke. Now, they might try to trade him, but how do you trade? It's like having a rotten piece of fish or something trying to trade it. I mean, Flacco wasn't mo. I mean, now he's got the neck. Oh, my God. You can see him grabbing back at his neck every time he gets sacked. And if they have to cut him, you think, oh, I cut him. They still have to pay. There's $13.5 million of dead money. Oof. John Elway. All right. Denver Broncos, eight for their season win. I'd only look under. No, no, no. No. No? Ah, you know, if you really are down on lock, I think you got to. If anything, Denver's like the, the – I would say of the list of who's going to surge, it's Denver. Lost all the close games, Right. In theory, Law, Law could get better. I mean, he's spo- this is the mm-hmm. years he's supposed to get better, right? Between one and two. Sure. Remember, he was hurt. He didn't really have a full camp or whatever. 
It's a good point. I no preseason. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you, I mean, all the other stuff, Denver meets the criteria of one I, of the— I agree with that. And the wise guys were back in Denver mm-hmm. selectively November, December. They ended up winning like seven or eight seven, games, yeah. right? Yeah. All right. We got a lot of stuff. First up, we're going to give you A.J. Hoffman, college basketball expert. He's got overrated. He's got underrated. And he's got a pick. We're going to roll that all together. Then, then, and we're going to do our Fez's best bet first. Then A.J. That's going to have a best bet. Then who do we have on the bench? Uh, the Hitman and Esler both have NBA plays. For Thursday. Yes. So you got three plays coming up for Thursday. One college, two NBA, and Fez, who is maybe Mr. XFL. Him, I think Vince McMahon first, Landry Jones second, Steve Fezzik third. You like that? Sounds about right, yep. Yeah. And <laughs> uh, so we literally have four best bets coming up. And a bunch of college basketball talk. And at the very end, I'm going to put on my baseball rant. I finally joined the talk show club. I was a virgin. Once you're not a virgin, you never get it back. You can't get unaffed, as they say. And I went wild on baseball. And I really went wild on the media, meaning I said to myself, the players who are usually aren't necessarily as educated, not as intellectual at minimum, they got this right. The media got it wrong. And I think it's the contempt the media has really secretly for the players is why they missed it. And I think baseball is really screwed up. It was one of my favorite rants. And... It wasn't hot takey, cold cash over hot takes, but you could say it was, but it wasn't. Cold cash fez over hot takes. Money but. talks. <laughs> yes. Money talks. Stop. Stop. Oh, wait. Hold. Hold. I <laughs> <laughs> See, I already think it's in my mind. I'm already thinking it. First, though, it makes you just feel good. How's your record, Fez, in the XFL? 4-0, and RJ. And you sell these picks? Yes, I do. Pregame.com? Yes. These are the kind of things, Steve, that I always am optimistic with you. The markets aren't particularly liquid. You can get down. Like, what's the limits around town, XFL? Diamond sides, 500 nice. totals. It's not bad. Yeah. And I heard Mike Lombardi talk. He's like, he thinks XFL is all about the gambling. And they certainly are are being encouraging. Oh, during the broadcast, they are you know going ahead and showing you the side in total, and not just that, RJ. During the game, they're giving you the in-game lines and how they've adjusted. That's interesting. The ratings. Mackenzie had a good sheet. You want to pull that up? We'll let you. He came. Up, he actually went above and beyond in this one. And, I, you know, I don't know if you heard. He likes my time, so. The 2.2 million is what ABC 
got in the broadcast in week two, and he came up with an interesting list of other broadcasts that got $2.2 million. You're going to be impressed by the XFL. Why do you think you're winning, though? Uh, obviously, markets that have a dime limit aren't going to be as sharp. You know football. Any other reasons? I think that the syndicates are largely avoiding because of this, the because of size. the low limits, and I think the odds makers really are in the dark in terms of trying to. This is just a wild guess. But why would you know more than them to put up the number? Because you're Steve Fazek. No, because they're not going to spend 20 hours or 10 hours researching all these games because they know their limits are so low. Hey, we'll spend an hour, get these lines up, and if they're off, eh, that's fine. We'll take one or two limit bets. I mean, that's a fascinating point is the cost to get the line right if you research it is more expensive sometimes than letting a guy like you pick them off because the limits are so low. Plus, in all the five boroughs, I'm known. I'm known all over the World. There's that. You got those 2.2 million comparisons? Hit me. Oh, no, I was going to let you read it. Oh, appreciate the mic time. Quickly. So get this. 2020 hey. MSNB oh broadcast. Is this you trying to be a broadcaster now? I'm just trying my best to be RJ Bell. No, don't, no. Don't Extra do that. Talk to, Zero. talk to Mary. You wouldn't want that. <laughs> okay, so these are other broadcasts between 2.2 and 2.4 million, so about comparable to the XFL. 2020 MSC broadcast of the State of the Union. Series so, finale so of said, NBC's uh, The w- Good Place. Just to be clear, it's MSNBC? Is that not what I said? It, it was garbled. <laughs> so so one of the, the major, you know, one yeah. of the major um news networks, their feed had about the same people as watching the XFL. Okay. Yep. S- same with the series finale of NBC's The Good Place. Same with the average ESPN or TNT NBA game in 2018. Now that's interesting. So Chuck is sitting there going, terrible, whatever's going on. And it has the same as the XFL. Now, listen, it's ABC versus TNT, but still. Yep. And actually, if you go all the way back to 2012, Game of Thrones, the first episode ever. You know, there's a lot of hype around it with the books. 2.2 million back in 2012. That was pretty good. He was perked up a little bit. Yeah. Are you taking classes? Just studying from the best out here. <laughs> uh, Fez isn't that good. All right. That's the truth. You you got your pick. Go. All right. XFL Sunday night football, 3 p.m. I'm on L.A. plus eight versus D.C. R.J. D.C. is overvalued. Everything's gone right for them so far. Two home games and D.C.'s strength of schedule. D.C. got to play the two worst teams in my power ratings in the XFL. And this is a bad spot for D.C. Let me make my case. D.C.'s first two games – Early start time, early start time at home. Now they got to fly all the way across the country to L.A., and they get the late start time. So it's going to mess up their routines. I'm not saying they're Kirk Cousins and they can't handle this completely, but it can't be a positive. Well, I mean, when they're loading lumber at Home Depot (laughs) during the week. But now that they're starting at 3 p.m., that's certainly a negative. And I do want to double back to the strength of schedule. D.C. has had the easiest strength of schedule. L.A. has had the hardest strength of schedule. They played the two best teams, two of the three best teams in the XFL. That's why L.A. is 0-2. And that's your pick is? The pick, of course, is L.A. plus 8 at home against D.C. You got the smell of wisdom on you, brother. All right. First up, A.J. Hoffman. A lot of people know him from the podcast he was doing, and now he'll be a key part of the Dream Preview, specifically college basketball, and this guy, let me tell you something, he's on Houston radio 
That's one of his things. Also, guitarist and founder of English rock band Led Zeppelin. Oh, whoa, 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 no, no, no. <laughs> hey, Jeff, I mean, I <laughs> no, know. No, that's actually true. I, I know you were trying to get us to believe that, but, but the truth is, A.J. Hoffman. The wickedest man in the world. I think that's going to pan out, actually. You are devious. I mean, like, when you get drunk, I'm, when you get drunk, you get physical. I'm not the dirtiest player in the game, <laughs> but fairly, fairly wicked, I would say. Uh, see, I notice you're, you're trying to avoid the implication, really the accusation. You, no, I You get physical true. when you're drunk. I'm a backslapper. And, and, and your hands are as big, like, you could palm a basketball with two fingers. And you have how many MMA fights? Five. Yeah, yeah. But somehow I'm not scared. Because I know, you know, no, worst comes I'm to worst, AJ gets whacked out. I mean, I would <laughs> I would want that. I would have won that. What a welcome. <laughs> what a welcome this is. All right, so here's what we're going to do. Everyone's going to see quickly and obviously how much you know about this stuff. That's going to be the easy part. So let's get into it. We've got two underrated teams, two overrated teams. Now, this is based on the AP being a proxy for public opinion. I think that's fair to say. And your first underrated team, so this team you think is better, is Creighton. Yeah, and we saw last night Creighton uh, as a four-point dog winning by eight at Marquette. Creighton, they're capable of taking over a game even when they're not having their best night from the floor. They've now won eight of their last nine after a one-and-three stretch in early January. Kind of soured people on them. They've got 10 wins over teams that I currently project to make the tournament, and they've got road wins against Villanova, Seton Hall, Marquette, and Arizona State, all projected tournament teams right now. They've got tons of shooters. Everyone on the floor is a threat from outside, uh, and they're proven to be a difficult matchup for even the best defensive teams. They put up 87 at Seton Hall, which is a top-10 defense. They hadn't given up 80 points all year, and they give up 87 to Creighton at home. Uh, the blowout loss early in the season to San Diego State is is still kind of glaring to me, but they shot 17% from three in that game, something I don't think will happen again. They're now my highest-rated team in the Big East. The AP has them at 16. My current rank for Creighton is 11, so I think Creighton is underrated by the market. One of the things we're, we are going to explore is the anatomy of being overrated or underrated. Why do you think? Creighton's underrated. My my gut feeling is not a big name. I mean, the default, and it usually explains some of it, but not all of it. The default's going to be, hey, not a public team, not not a popular team, not a team that's followed. Other times, I think teams are over or underrated because there's been a fundamental change where at some point there was an injury that people don't value or a healthy guy coming back in the other direction or a change in scheme where they started doing this instead of this. Or you'll see in college basketball, I think, and you can tell me if you agree, teams that are very young tend to get better and better throughout the season. So amongst that Chinese menu of possibilities or others, we'll call it miscellaneous, why is Creighton underrated? Well, they do use one senior in their rotation, only one. A lot of juniors and sophomores in their rotation. Their best player, uh, Marcus Zegarowski, is is a sophomore. So... They are a young team. I don't know if I would say they're not a a brand name team because, I mean, this is a a team that's been pretty solid for many years now under Greg McDermott. I think part of why they're maybe a little underrated is because coming into the season, their expectations were a little bit lower compared to the rest of the Big East. 
obviously Villanova is going to be picked near the top every year. Marquette was picked again so, so near did, the top. They Marquette didn't have Seton the pre, they didn't have the preseason hype, and since they, they did not and, have the preseason hype, and since they haven't finish in the in the Big East, and since they haven't performed in such a way that it bowls you over, because sometimes performance can't be ignored. Right, LSU in college football, the way they were playing from midseason on, couldn't ignore it. Doesn't matter. Creighton's playing good but not great. They came in with general baseline of interest. And, and if you call Creighton a public team, I think we're talking about amongst college basketball guys sitting around a bar, right? Not the right. casual fan. So it seems like what you're saying is they just haven't reached a tipping point anywhere. Performance, brand, whatever, not an individual player that's getting a lot of attention. And that's just under the radar. I would say that's true. And like I said, they had a stretch early in January where they lost three out of four games. Uh, they went from 12 and two to 13 and five all of a sudden. And sort, sort of the, the sexiness of that brand was gone all of a sudden. And, you know, let's be candid too. If a team isn't super, super popular, one uh, sore thumb loss, let's call it. It just sticks out like a sore thumb. It's what people remember can make all the difference in keeping them down. Yeah, maybe they're okay. The record looks good, but remember that one game? I think that happens too. Next up, second. Well, that happened in this case. It, it, that did happen in this case where Providence, they, they're lo- they've won eight of nine. The one in the middle is Providence, a loss at Providence, 73-56 against a Providence team that's not that good. So that one does kind of, I think, stick out to people and it's it's keeping people from it despite the fact that it's surrounded by wins over villanova and seton hall and marquette that one bad loss is glaring to people number two of two of the underrated teams (laughs) the ohio state university yeah the ohio state university someone asked me back in december who the best team in the country was. And I said, it's probably Ohio state. They, they beat Villanova by 25 points at the time. They, they'd beaten a one loss North Carolina team on the road by 25 points. They blew, they blew out Penn state. They beat Kentucky on a neutral. I was very, very high on Ohio state and they rewarded me by losing six of their last seven or their next seven games and basically just falling completely off the map. And they've kind of come back now. They've won five of their last six including a solid road win at Michigan, back-to-back wins over Rutgers and Purdue. And I, I emphasize that road win at Michigan because when I start thinking, when we get to this point of the season, road wins become very important, specifically to you know the committee and things like that. If you've got a team who can win games on a road, they're going to be more respected come tournament time. And that's what Ohio State's been able to do. The game that they've got tomorrow, Thursday, at Iowa will tell us a lot uh, about how much of a threat this team's going to be because that's a road game against another team in Iowa that's a, a pretty hot team right now. Uh, but they're well coached. They've got plenty of talent. I have them as the 17th best team. The AP has them as the 25th best team. And a lot of it is on w- what happened in that run where they lost six of their uh, of those seven games. So quickly, Big Ten, I know for a long time, the home teams were just doing amazingly well. As you look across the season, home away in the Big Ten, how would you characterize it? Uh, it's it's come back down to earth. It's not as ridiculous as it was the first, you know, three or four uh, games of, of conference play. You're starting to see some teams that, that went on the road. But it, in in that conference specifically, road wins that aren't against Northwestern or Nebraska, because basically everybody's beating Northwestern and Nebraska. 
But if you get a road win against any other Big Ten team, that's a really nice feather in the cap. Okay, we got two overrated teams, and go about a minute on each. So these teams are not as good as their AP ranking. Right now, number eight in the AP, Florida State. Yeah, I have them 18th in my rankings. Their resume is is anchored by a really nice road win against Louisville, which even that win has lost a little bit of shine in the last week or two. They've lost two straight, but the Knolls are 9-2 and two straight up since that win over Louisville. The only win in that time over a projected tournament team was at home against Virginia, who I currently have as one of the last four in. Uh, their last two losses came on the road at that same Virginia team and at Duke. They have one win this season against teams currently ranked in the top 25. They've got a lot of solid players, but no one you'd consider a go-to guy that makes me think they're going to be a real threat in the tournament. So Florida State ranked eighth in the AP poll. I consider them overrated. Overrated? You got them 18th. Finally, two of two, overrated. San Diego State, number four in AP. Yeah, uh, and it's again, it's hard to knock an undefeated team being ranked fourth uh, in in a AP poll. No, it's that not. Not if, right. not if there's money to be made. We don't knock them. We're, giving, <laughs> we're, we're embracing the truth, AJ. But they play in what's very likely to be a one bid league in the Mountain West, and depending on how Utah State finishes, uh, and that that conference has more really bad teams than they even have up average quality teams. Their resume boasts just three wins over current currently projected tournament teams. That's Creighton, Iowa, BYU. And the last of those games, the last of those three wins, that happened in November. So they haven't played anyone projected to be in the tournament since November. And with the exception of a couple close calls against San Jose State and UNLV, San Jose State's a really bad team. They almost lost to. They've beaten up on bad teams that they've played, but that's to be expected. This is going to be one of the least battle-tested one seeds in recent memory. And if they get paired with a dangerous 8-9 winner in the tournament, like a Michigan, a Texas Tech, or a Rutgers, it, it's really not hard to picture them heading home on the first weekend. So I rank them eighth. Even then, I feel like maybe I'm being a little bit generous. The AP ranks them fourth, so I think San Diego State overrated. You make an interesting point. There's so much more parity. Even the worst teams in most conferences are much closer to the best teams than they were 20 years ago. Yeah, maybe the better team is going to be favored by 16, but they're not favored by 28. And in the long run, that not only affects the number of games you get upset, it affects how tough you got to play in potentially tight games that aren't supposed to be tight. Last thing, what's going on with the future is anybody's bet, but you've got a best bet on Thursday. And man, you must love this game. I always like when the pros pick a game that no one has any interest in. Because the only interest in that case is money. That's it. And this is a projected line. We're projecting Vermont minus three. Okay, so real quick, AJ, what's the buy price? So the buy price is you'd played up to what? Probably I'd played up to five as a best bet. All right, so minus Uh, five buy price on Vermont. Why? There's not a lot of marquee games on this thing, but the top of the standings at the America East Conference, Vermont and Stony Brook, one and two, Vermont's lost just one conference game this year, their first one of the season at home against this same Stony Brook team. The current line projection, like I said, is three. That's exactly how many the last uh, Stony Brook won by was three. An extremely close game, but in hindsight, it took a really extraordinary shooting performance for Stony Brook to win that game by just three points. Vermont is the much better team. They're number one in the conference in basically every offensive statistical category. 
Anthony Lamb, Vermont senior leader, the reigning America East player of the year, unanimous player of the year, will probably be that again. He's going to want his last game against their rival to be a win. These are really the only two good teams in this conference, so this game matters a lot to Vermont. I've thought all year long that Vermont is the class of the conference, and this is going to be their chance to prove it. So my best bet, Vermont projected minus three. My buy price will be minus five. A.J. Hoffman knows college basketball. He also likes to drink beer and get in fights and... The wickedest man in the world. And uh, you'll be finding that out. Remember, just like with Fezzik, you'd rather be on his side than against him. Thank you, A.J. Anytime. Now, listen, guys, you might think, oh, R.J.'s going... Literally, a guy like Dave Esler, I call him Diamond Dave and Uncle Dave. But if you saw his bank account, Diamond Dave, he wins like crazy. He spends the whole week, and he's giving you one game. He likes this game. The hitman's proven himself. And my rant, you know, you can decide. It's coming up. But in a way, what we're going to do more of is, you know, get other Vegas guys here for sure, but also getting the best of the best from the remote guys so you're getting that distilled down to you. So first up, we are going with Diamond Dave. Remember, on Twitter, it can be – it's a – you can get him, Dave underscore Essler, E-S-S-L-E-R. And let's get his best bet, and we'll talk to you next week. Well, off a nice NBA winner two weeks ago and two last week. Let's see if we can get another one here Thursday night. Brooklyn at the 76ers. I love the Nets. It starts and ends with Kyrie. The Celtics won two-thirds of their games without him over the years. The Nets are just a continuation. With him this season, they're 8-13. and 13. Without him, they're 17-14. and 14. Just won four or five. Their only loss being at Toronto by one. The season ended today. The Nets are a playoff team. 76ers are a five seed. I think that would surprise some people that don't look every day. 76ers are at Milwaukee Saturday. Potential look ahead Thursday. Offensively, Brooklyn scored more points per game. Defensively, Brooklyn is number two in opponent shooting efficiency. Last time these two teams met in Philadelphia, entering the fourth, Brooklyn had a lead. Brooklyn beat them twice last year with Embiid and without Kyrie, and they might do it again Thursday. So I'll gladly take plus seven or more. The Philadelphia was minus six and a half against the Nets here a month ago. It's not likely to be less without Kyrie, which is a good thing for Brooklyn plus the points. All right, Thursday, NBA best bet. We're going to go to the Bucks at the Pistons. So there's no line on the game right now, but I'm going to project it to be Bucks minus 12, and I like it all the way up to Bucks minus 14. I normally wouldn't want to lay this many points on a so-called square pick, but look at the history of the Bucks against the Pistons over the last two seasons. The teams have played nine times, and only one game did the Pistons keep it within single digits. This is the worst Pistons team that the Bucks have faced in that span. Rest obviously won't be an issue for the Bucks, and the Bucks are 59% against the spread as a road favorite the last two years, which is over a 59-game sample size. Give me the Bucks laying the big number. Thanks for listening to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday, NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for RJ? You can contact him directly on Twitter at RJ in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week.